This week on a hyperspace broadcast, we take you down to Paradigm City, where the grass is green and the girls don't remember anything past 40 years ago. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hyperspace Broadcast, a show where two real friends dig through Toonami's back catalog and try to determine what, if anything, is worth revisiting. I'm Michael Doak. And I'm Peter Eby. And this week we're beginning our coverage of The Big O, uh, covering season one. The Big O is an interesting show uh, Mm. in that... I don't like, you know, I've said this many times about various shows. This is one of those shows that I remember very, very distinctly. But upon watching it, I'm not (laughs) sure I ever actually saw any of it. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Because none of these episodes jump to mind as being like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Uh, I was assuming that I'd remembered season two, but that's very unlikely. (laughs) Uh, So to get into some of the backstory of the show, uh, it was created by... Kazuyoshi Katayama and originally aired in October 1999. It was released by Sunrise. It's kind of a mashup of a bunch of different sources of inspiration. There's a little bit of tokusatsu shows like, uh, you know, Power Rangers y kind of stuff, but obviously yeah. without the team of Power Rangers. Uh, there's obviously a lot of Batman and Batman the Animated Series in here. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Some giant robo obvi- and like people who worked on this worked on Batman, the animated series and on giant robo the day the earth stood still, which we've covered before. So it makes sense that there would be some similarities. Like obviously. Yeah. In the mecha designs, you see it for sure. Oh yeah. 100%. Totally different approach to mecha design than the usual, like, Oh, what would it maybe, what would it realistically look like or something? It's like, no, we're going to do big cartoony buff mecha that moves very slowly. And, well, yeah. and and it, the 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 mecha are very like toku mecha, and that they kind of feel like someone in a big cardboard costume lumbering around. Yeah, like I, it, weirdly, when I saw that uh, there were tokusatsu influences, I was like, "Oh, that clicks so hard!" Mm-hmm. Because of yeah. course there are. <laughs> These are very slow moving big robots that look a little dorky, uh, but also like really crazy and cool. I guess so. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, development originally began in 1996 with Keiichi Sato coming up with the basic idea of the robot Big O and then like the Gotham City style environment. Plans were put on hold because like Sato and also Katayama ended up getting wound up in other projects. Also, once it actually was about to enter development, uh, Sunrise was like, hey guys, we need some more giant robot designs because... Like many things, we need to sell toys because otherwise this is not going to make us any money. Uh, So, yeah, that's a fun little bit there. So cram them in there. Yeah. Although more more toys, although in fairness, like the the whole concept started with a giant robot and the original, I guess, conceptualist Sato did say that it was basically a toy design anyway. So, like, it's not like they're really uh, cheapening it necessarily. It kind of started there. 
man the big o that's one that's one like toy or model kit i feel like you could never get to stand properly definitely, yeah that would be a pain in the ass you, you need some kind of right. extra stand <laughs> for, for those who don't know immediately that big o is just like normal giant robot kind of but it has huge honking arms that have like big like pistons on both uh elbow that are just like gigantic so they can do these like power punches and it it's probably impossible to stand or pose yeah the the weight distribution would be pretty weird but in fairness yeah. it also has gigantic fucking legs so like yeah maybe not i don't really know it, it has really weird arm design though like it's kind of it's kind of like a Popeye robot, actually. Like the <laughs> yeah. forearms are really, really huge, but the like, you know, connecting the elbow to the shoulder part is just tiny. <laughs> it it yeah. really does look like Popeye is a giant robot. If you can picture that, like, I think <laughs> I think that's actually a pretty good comparison. Yeah, we forgot that's one of the big influences too. Of yeah, course. Popeye naturally. <laughs> uh, yeah. To be fair, with some of the like random characters, they do actually have a kind of Popeye esque design in a weird way. Like they eyes, do. why? Why villains especially have like a very cartoony design in Yo, a I, um, <laughs> almost I'm, disconcerting way. Yeah, like, sure. More well, so than any other character. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about all this. Let me get through this before we uh, start talking about the villains and stuff. So. Uh, Chiaki J. Konaka, whose name I'm probably mispronouncing, my apologies, uh, contributed the whole City of Amnesia concept. He was also the head writer for both seasons, despite there being a production gap. And this is where things actually get pretty interesting with Big O. Uh, it did pretty badly in Japan. So even though there were 26 planned episodes, only 13 were actually produced. Mm -hmm. um, but the Toonami Arian had a really like positive resonance with Western audiences. And as a result, Cartoon Network and Sunrise produced the second season as a co-production, like specifically because it was popular here. Um, That's crazy, too. I, I had no idea they were doing stuff like that way back then, because like recently they did that with Fooly Cooly. They made a, a second and third season uh, mm -hmm. as a co-production. And that was like way after the fact of the original airing and like, oh, Four, I think, is when that show came out. Sure, I, I'm totally unfamiliar with that show, but, so I'll take your word for it. In in any case, I thought that was like really unique and interesting. Like, wow, an American co-production, you know, like that they know people here like it so much. Little did I know they did it back then, back yeah, in, back uh, in 2003. Yeah, to 2003 when it uh, well, aired in Japan. <laughs> Yeah, so so the second season was a co-production, as we've said. Uh, it aired in 2003 in Japan, and also 2003 on Adult Swim, but apparently didn't actually air on Toonami itself until 2013. So that's, <laughs> that's why, insane. So that's why I definitely never saw any of season two, because I did not watch Adult Swim at the time, and I certainly am not remembering something that happened seven years ago. Like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's... Uh, which is very surreal to me, to be honest. I almost feel like I'm amnesiac myself. Uh, yeah, well, I'm with you, too. Like, I, I remember seeing this show, seeing ads for this show. This show looks cool. Mm -hmm. I, I remember, like, I've uh, I've seen episodes of this. But again, watching all of them, zero memory. <laughs> right, yeah. Which is funny, because <laughs> yeah. the premise of this show <laughs> yeah. is that there is a city called Paradigm City, and 40 years ago, everyone lost their memory 
Uh, and so since then, it's just kind of been grinding along. And now it's like a big dystopia. Uh, there's a lot of film noir elements in this show as well, as oh, well yeah. as kind of like cyberpunky stuff, sort of. Um, mostly just in the, you know, social disparity. So, you know, the, the rich people live in giant domes that protect them from whatever is outside. And the poor people tend to live in more slum-like, uh, terrible areas. And Paradigm City's supposedly like the last city on Earth. Because whatever yeah, right, right. cataclysm was 40 years ago that no one remembers also probably wiped out the rest of humanity, supposedly. Yeah, or or in fairness, if it was... I mean, one of the things about this show that's a little weird that you just kind of have to accept is the vagary of everyone lost their memories. Mm -hmm. Because... Obviously, societies don't manage to continue, but like yeah. it is possible that they think they're the last city because they don't have memory of there being other cities to begin with. Yeah, like, right. and no one's been outside the city really since this happened. So there's no information. But also, who knows? Because they talk about other countries and stuff sometimes. It's kind of vague, whatever. That's not really the point. Um, yeah. So our main character is Roger Smith. He is a negotiator, and we will discuss what that means exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's sort of a Bruce Wayne type. Uh, he's, you know, a rich playboy, and he has a giant robot called Big O that is a Mega Deuce, even though it is, <laughs> I believe, supposed to be translated as Mega Deus. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, they call them Mega Deuces in this. That's just what I'm going to call them anyway, even though it's clearly wrong. <laughs> Even though it clearly sounds like taking a huge dump. Yeah, right. And like, Mega Deus is thematically more appropriate and also just sounds cooler, kind of. Like, yeah. oh, it's a giant god or whatever. But anyway, he has a giant robot. Um, the first couple episodes detail him trying to negotiate for the release of a hostage. The hostage ends up being an android named Dorothy Wainwright. Uh, and then basically because that whole situation goes sideways uh she ends up living with him and sometimes helps him out on his escapades sometimes doesn't yeah mostly what dorothy ends up doing is uh just kind of staying at home chilling out doing household tasks with roger's butler norman who <laughs> is definitely not alfred no nothing not like alfred like at him. all he has an yeah. eye patch and yeah, exactly. he totally different <laughs> and a mustache and he works on the big o uh, so, you know, there's several other characters that are kind of in uh, Roger's orbit. There's his former police commander, Major Dostin, who is head of the military police. He's basically your Jim Gordon kind of archetype. Uh, yeah. There's a woman who works for the head of Paradigm Company, which is, of course, the kind of evil mega corporation that's controlling everything. Uh, their CEO is Alex Rosewater and... I don't remember what her actual name is, but she tells Roger to call her Angel, so I call yeah. her Angel. I think she always changes her name up, so I don't know if we actually know uh, her real name. No, I'm but, pretty sure she's... we do, because Alex knows her name, and they have a conversation in one uh, of the later episodes. She does, like, yeah, and she does a lot of espionage and stuff, and, and it's kind of a femme fatale kind yeah, of character. Yeah, yeah, she's 100% uh, a femme fatale. In design, especially. Certainly. Uh, yeah, so... You know, just kind of rollicking through a city where no one remembers anything. Uh, about once an episode, there is a fight between the Big O and some other giant robot. Um, <laughs> yep. And there's this sort of conspiracy going on, which the last couple of episodes mostly cover, which basically the idea is it's, it still hasn't been revealed yet as of the end of season one, but 
other countries do exist and they have their own mega deuces and also paradigm company is very clearly trying to control the flow of information in the city so that no one finds out what really happened which we still don't really know but it definitely involved a bunch of mega deuces because they're apparently semi-sapient uh you know turning on humans or some shit i don't know there's a flashback yeah. where they blow up a bunch of stuff and it's cool yeah, but we still don't know why fucking up entire metropolises and stuff uh well you know what let's get into zenith snake ears because it turns out my zenith is the last episode oh yeah <laughs> so well that's a good we can actually <laughs> explain some of what happens there and some of the mystery this episode's got a lot of stuff going on and it's like starts with a couple murders happening and written in lipstick on the mirror of each murder or on like some surface of each murder is the phrase it's, uh, i believe it's cast in the name of god ye not guilty which is the boot up phrase of big o and sounds <laughs> yeah, cool yeah. because it's christian i guess yeah it's classic like yeah yeah it's like oh it's it's western christian uh kind of stuff so it sounds mysterious and cool to just like throw that in anywhere <laughs> And yeah, for some reason, whenever Big O boots up, it displays that message. So Roger recognizes this phrase and is like, uh, what the hell? Roger, through the course of investigating this murder, because um, he investigates murders as a negotiator. Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) Negotiator (laughs) means almost nothing. Like, he just kind of goes on adventures and it's a broad enough term that it's like, yeah, you have to negotiate these two things, but also all these murders. So figure out what that's about. Uh, the show, that's the more he, important thing. Yeah, he investigates murders, he fights giant robots, and he uh, delivers a severance check at one point. And these are all <laughs> under the umbrella yes. of, of negotiator. <laughs> he, he also, at one point, which we'll talk about in more detail in a moment, but at one point he does negotiate uh, over custody of a cat. Yeah, that is also a thing, (laughs) although that's implied to be done as a favor that still falls within his negotiator job. So anyway, this time Roger's actually doing some investigations and he's starts having these kind of flashes to memories of the before time, which they've hinted happens to people sometimes to be like, oh, they they've just remembered a memory of the past. And it like. You know, a lot of times the villains of these episodes turn out to be like scientists who remembered some technology from the past, like some super technology. Yeah, they right. They reaccess it and use it to try and destroy everything. Yeah, or cause havoc in some capacity. Yeah. Uh, in this case, Roger finds like a photo of this mansion. He's like, I've been there before. I know this place. And he's able to track it down pretty quickly, goes there, starts having all these flashes and like flashing to like different times and places and then flashing back to where he is. And uh, I actually thought they handled this really well. I've seen this kind of thing before in shows, and it's like, it can be either disorientating or kind of just like, eh, I get what's happening. But with this one, like, I was really, this is the, uh, this is my favorite episode, because this is one episode that I was, like, completely on board. I was like, yeah, oh, sure. I want to know what's what's going on next. Because this is the episode, the final episode of the show, uh, the final episode of the season, and ostensibly the final episode of the show, if you live in Japan. Yeah, before uh, the co-production happens. Yeah, yeah. This is the episode where they introduce the backstory. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like right. the bigger backstory. And so, yeah, I'm just like, holy shit, this is actually interesting. I've been through a lot of these episodes where it's like, uh, you know, the animation's great, but like it kind of either just gets up its own ass and just kind of gets too convoluted or it, um, 
is straightforward and just kind of throws a robot out of nowhere just to right. cap an episode for yeah. no reason. And this one, it actually like works and it is a mystery. And I, that's what I like about yeah, like when Batman does it, you know, it's like, so he starts seeing like, f- he gets like a book and the book has the list of all the murder victims in it. Mm-hmm. Um, next and next to their name are barcodes and he kind of remembers this bit in the past where like uh these kids were being raised in some facility and they were being implanted with memories of the past because roger we should say is like in his 20s he's younger than the amnesia event um and i i think what's getting hinted at here is that he was one of those kids and that's probably why he knows how to pilot the megadeuce without realizing it right he seems strangely to have also amnesia problems of his own, even though he's not over he's, 40. He's clearly not over 40. It's it's yeah. kind of weird. Like, Yeah, that, also, that part's a little odd, because it makes it seem like everyone has amnesia forever. <laughs> like, right. Everyone has amnesia like in the last five years, but it's actually 40. Um, in any case, it, it keeps bouncing around, and he finds that this murder is actually... Uh, he's led to... RD, who's like the last person on the list of victims, and he's like, I gotta go save them because they're gonna get killed. Uh, and then he encounters her, and RD turns out to be R. Dorothy Wainwright, the android, I guess, in yeah. a hood, and it's just like, I'm Here's gonna the thing. fucking kill you. And it's like, a, you know, pretty surprising, and she kind of attacks Roger, shoots him with a gun, and he's wounded, and they have this pretty cool chase sequence where, like, he's just trying to escape. He can't call his big O for once, and so he actually seems to be in pretty shit danger. Um, And then the big O ends up showing up, and our Dorothy is inside. The or real just, android yeah. friend, our Dorothy. Yeah, here's the thing. like, And that gets confusing. Yes, and this is a confusing episode there. in general. Like... Because there's a lot of stuff that you're glossing over that's, like, semi-important, but maybe not. Like, you know, he finds the book in a library, but the library's empty, and he meets Angel there, and she's wearing a red cloak. And the murderer has been shown to be wearing a red cloak in the past, so there's that. He goes to a farm and meets the father of the CEO of Paradigm Company, and they have a talk about tomatoes. Yeah, and so, like, it throws a lot at you, but I've... You know, I've seen shows that get convoluted and up its own ass. In fact, another show done by Chiaki Konaka that we'll probably eventually do for uh, <laughs> for Anime Unleashed Unleashed, which is Serial Experiments Lane. That oh, show, okay, to yeah. me, climbs up its own asshole like four times over and like completely loses its track because it's just like too convoluted. Maybe I'm just dumb. People really love it. It's a cool looking show. This does that a little bit at the end, but I, I was able to hold on. Here's the thing, though. This ends with, like, a crazy fucking cliffhanger, of course. Like, three d- new robots are coming out. <laughs> they, they they call the Big O. The Big O uppercuts the evil Dorothy into, like, the ceiling of the subway. I guess killing her, because uh, they completely forget about her. And Roger doesn't even mention to android dorothy our friend that like hey uh i just saw another you down there who's trying to kill me (laughs) yeah and also the other dorothy although it's first implied to be maybe the real one is also very obviously an android because its voice is all glitched out computer like like she's an android i don't know here's why i say i don't know 
is because her facial expressions were completely different and they were like very like I mean they're very sinister and evil and like wild when attacking and that made me think that like oh maybe the real R Dorothy that the androids based on has been alive this whole time because they've been, they've done that for several plot lines where it's like this dead character's actually been alive <laughs> I mean yeah I guess it's just that again she has like a robot voice much yeah, more they so do a than the real one thing. so yeah whatever it's confusing the the end is a bunch of other big O's basically showing up, coming in from the sea. And Angel says some ominous stuff like, oh, no, this can't happen yet. Yeah, like, right. That classic. They're going to tr- trigger something major. And, you know, the big O is about to launch, and uh, Dorothy helps uh, helps him with his left hand, which is fucking bust up because he got shot, mm-hmm. to uh, control the left hand of the uh, big O, which I thought was cute. And then uh, they, like, launch their mega attack. And they're like, oh, everything's going to go crazy. To be continued. Oh. <laughs> and so now the season's over. And you're left on a crazy cliffhanger, of course. Right. But yeah. I, I don't know. I still like this episode. It's, it's, a, it's one to actually really hook me in. So after all that, <laughs> what was your favorite episode? My favorite episode was episode 10, Winter Night Phantom. Uh, This one's interesting because instead of, like, most episodes focusing on Roger, this one actually focuses on Major Dostin, the uh, police guy. Oh, yeah. And weirdly, it still has Roger doing narrative monologues, but whatever. I'll look past that because the overall theme of this one is that there's someone bombing, like, random social gatherings that have retired members of the city council. Yeah. And they're using these little toy robots to do it. And so major Dustin's trying to figure out why and who's doing it, obviously. Uh, But then also he's having these dreams slash flashbacks uh, that at one point he attributes to being a movie he saw when he was a kid uh, about a woman speaking a language he doesn't recognize, which is French. Uh, on a dock and getting shot and he's putting himself in the shoes of the male character who's shooting the woman basically what it comes down to is uh this woman is the daughter of somebody who fought against paradigm company's attempt to control the city uh when this you know after the catastrophe i suppose yeah Uh, and so she's trying to get revenge for her mother being killed or imprisoned or whatever and you know the the final shots are of course dustin at the dock and it's the same as the dream slash memory um and really the reason that i like this episode a lot is because to me the central premise of this show is that this is a city where 40 years ago everyone forgot everything and now they're trying to figure out how to like move on after that yeah and for the most part, the show doesn't do a lot with that. Like, most of the time, it's kind of Roger investigating something, and usually there's some lost technology or something, but that's about the extent of it. And yeah. I feel like this one really went there with the concept of what it means to not remember stuff or have these flashes of memories that you can't place. Um, and then sort of having this weird parallel of like, this is like something that maybe happened before, but I don't even know. I don't know if it was a movie or something real. It just feels yeah, that's different very from dreamlike. everything else. Yeah, right. It's super dreamlike. And I really like that. Like, I wish the show did that yeah. kind of stuff more. Also, frankly, I 
think Roger's kind of boring. And so focusing on one of his, you know, secondary cast members who maybe is just different anyway is yeah. kind of nice from my perspective. Um, I will say that, like, another of my complaints with this movie, which we've already touched on, this movie, the show that we've already touched on, is that often there will be a giant robot fight at the end that comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And in this episode, it is maybe the most egregious of all of them. Like <laughs> there's no indication that there's a giant robot. The, you know, the terrorist or whatever you want to call him is using bombs in order to do these things. But then at the end, big fucking surprise, there's a giant version of the toy robot yeah. that was being used before, except it's also itself a giant bomb because, I mean, I guess in fairness, that's harder for regular people to stop than yeah. a small bomb, but it still just feels completely tacked on to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I love um, to... But the it, it's just, kind of funny. <laughs> the big O just throws it into the air and lasers it. <laughs> yeah, and then it explodes, and yeah. like even that is part of the weird memory dream thing, yeah. because... There were fireworks in the background of the movie or dream or memory or whatever before, yeah. and now this is paralleling that. I don't know. It's like, this is a fairly stylish episode of this show that I feel like actually deals with the thing that I want the show to deal with. Yeah. And that's why I like it. The amnesia is like the most interesting part of this show to me, too. And like, it is often... It's usually like only used for Roger to kind of wax poetically about to moody jazz like or moody like uh saxophone music which sounds great because it's steve bloom and it's it's you know it's very cowboy bebop in some moments like that but um it can get a little tiring well it's <laughs> also like, very film noir oh, like, oh absolutely yeah but is, yes 100%. like a lot of the time it doesn't feel like the show addresses it that much but yeah we'll we'll talk about that when we talk about our thoughts overall but, i but, think because yeah, i have a lot to say about this they do some cool stuff uh cool stuff with it in this episode too like the concept of him not recognize their language because 40 years ago oh, yeah, everyone right. in the city forgot like no I, I really like that i mean we had some debates about this because it's like oh, that's a cool concept they don't know what french is because they don't know what any other language is because everyone forgot but also, it's like, it seems like Paradigm is New York, and it's like, so does that mean when everyone forgot, yeah, New York has a ton of different languages spoken, like, does that mean when everyone forgot, everyone forgot how to speak? It's yeah, one of those. In fairness, French is a fairly, like, I would not say French is a particularly common language in New York, necessarily. Yeah, I guess, but, yeah. But, but yeah, like... I, I think it's a cool detail. I think one of the problems with this show, unfortunately, is it has a lot of cool details that if you think about it too hard, they become <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like A lot of the amnesia stuff. Yeah, in particular. Like, that's the thing that if you examine it too closely, you start to realize that stuff doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, uh, overlooking that, though, I, I think that this is an episode that does what I want this show to do more. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I like it. So what was your least favorite episode, Peter? My least favorite was episode 11, Damon Seed. This is a, um, this is a strange episode because it's a Christmas episode, basically. Yeah. But yeah, it is. Totally. Like, <laughs> which you wouldn't expect from it, an episode called... It literally called... says Merry Xmas at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> let let us explain first that every episode ends with like a black card that te- that says either we have come to terms or what is the other one no deal or something like that yeah something like that there's like two or three of them and they all feel yeah. very odd as a punctuation mark at the end of the episode yeah yeah i mean we have come to terms i guess because he's a negotiator and like so sure, that's right. how the episode ends or but like, no deal i guess also because yeah. oh we couldn't come to terms yeah but, but still it always feels very strange <laughs> and to this me. one just ends with mary xmas it's like oh okay <laughs> yeah sure sure but it, but it is it's interesting because like everyone here celebrates heaven's day and and roger kind of bitches about heaven's day and it's like i don't like it i have bad memories associated with it <laughs> also or because it's been too commercialized which seems like a <laughs> very I don't, I don't know there's something funny about that to me yeah and then like but it, it's it's revealed that um the one thing i like about this episode is that it's kind of revealed through the course of it that you know, some of the elderly people, because pretty much the only people who lived before the cataclysm are now elderly. Yeah. Right. Um, they they'll still gather together and sing what are actually Christmas carols together, and they don't even really know why they're doing it. Yeah, they're in the, and, and they're gathering in churches, which they yeah. don't even really know what churches are necessarily. Yeah. And so th- th- I thought that was kind of a cool detail that like there's this. And, and like Alex Rosewater reveals, he seems to know about Christmas because he's he like literally explains he's like, oh, it's the day that God's son was born, yeah, to right. uh, to like one of his underlings or whatever, yeah, and like I think Angel, but maybe it's somebody else. I, I think it's some other random dude, but like in any case, I, I like that like he seems to have this this knowledge that no one else does, uh, you know, and that kind of builds, this is kind of like a building block to the mystery that actually gets to be interesting in the last episode. Yeah, sure. But, uh, this episode, it's just like the saxophone guy who's like busking in the street for money, plays saxophone poorly. And Roger, like gives him some money. And then he meets this weird Santa Claus guy, uh and he like cares for his girlfriend who's blind and this weird santa claus guy like meets him on the bridge he seems like a just a drunk guy or a guy who's like kind of lost his mind and he like gives him this weird gem this green gem um which i guess is the titular demon seed yeah um, right. and then like what later like roger drops by and they they talk and they kind of almost have a double date with him and the android and uh they're sort of following this mystery of like well where's this weird scientist and he was like an environmental scientist and then it just like at the end it's like the guy's playing the saxophone and the seed starts sprouting in his like pocket and vines start erupting uncontrollably and i'm thinking this is going to be like that episode of swat cats this is yeah yeah be, <laughs> uh, mega cat city covered in plants yeah or vines attack the city of yeah, course yeah the and, classic. Uh, the, it bursts forth and it's going uncontrollably and it's almost like a monster and I'm like, oh, of course they're going to call Big O. Not really. Like, they do. Yeah, I mean, it, they do call Big O. <laughs> but it doesn't really turn into a monster. In fact, the, it, it grows so violently and then just like grows into a gargantuan Christmas tree and uh, then it stops and they're they're like, oh, I guess whoever made it like programmed the thing to stop growing at a certain point. It's not actually right. unlimited growth. It's just a gigantic tree. Uh, and then they're just like, okay, well that's solved. Let's exchange presents. And they just, yeah, <laughs> they and then the saxophonist plays jingle he bells, plays jingle bells, yeah, very jazzily. Uh, and Merry Christmas, everybody! And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> and it's like, 
wait a minute. Isn't there like a mad scientist who's given out these pretty destructive <laughs> seeds? I yeah, guess right. Not. Because because like, clearly the Santa guy was the mad scientist they were yeah. talking about. They never catch him or find him. Even or, he just shows up for a second yeah, or acknowledge and then that's him. it. <laughs> it. Like and like, I thought maybe like was it supposed to be implied that he fell off the bridge because he's like walking on the edge of the bridge like drunkily like I don't crazy. Think so. I don't know. Other, I know. I don't weird. think so either because the guy like turns and looks and he's gone. He almost like Batman's him. Yeah. So I guess but, maybe he did just fall. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's like the the special edition version of Big O. They like (laughs) he turns around because he hears the guy scream and then a splash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's just gone. (laughs) It's a weird episode. Yes, it Uh, is. It's particularly weird in my opinion because there is a scene where uh, the saxophonist he like tries to sell the gem to Roger before they know it's some kind of evil seed and. Roger basically is just like, why don't you stop trying to take the easy way out and sell me this gem that you don't want or need and practice your music and get better. And then the very next scene, Roger's talking to Dorothy and he's like, that guy sucks at playing saxophone. I'm like, (laughs) Roger, what are you talking like? have a consistent opinion dude what an asshole (laughs) like don't tell this guy to get better at the sax if you think that he can't yeah like maybe just tell him the truth but no and also refuse to buy his thing what what the fuck roger (laughs) roger is a dick in the show a lot of the time for ways that or for reasons that i don't fully understand (laughs) yeah he has he questions Dorothy's humanity so frequently and for so little payoff or reason. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. are you just being an asshole to Dorothy because you can? Like, what's your deal, man? Come on. <laughs> uh, so, what was your least favorite? Uh, mine was episode eight, missing cat. This is, of course, the episode where Roger negotiates ownership of a cat between yeah. Dorothy and the cat's previous owners. Um, but. I was about to say it's pretty straightforward, which it's not really, but I'll try to be as straightforward about it as possible. So we begin with a woman who is murdered by something, and she owned a golden retriever, and then the MPs find some crazy, twisted chimera in her backyard. Uh, Meanwhile, Dorothy finds a small gray cat taking shelter from the rain in an alleyway and decides to take it home with her. And Roger doesn't like the cat because it ruins his desk and destroys one of his many, many hourglasses. Um, <laughs> he has so many hourglasses. Yeah, I think That's he makes them. It's like kind of detail. implied that he makes them in this one because he's uh, weighing a bunch of sand. Oh, that's a good point. So I, I think that he makes them as some kind of a hobby. But anyway, um, she insists that Roger negotiate for the cat with its previous owners because she deserves to own it more than they do because it, I guess escaped and they didn't care but they really want the cat back and they show up to take the cat and this is where the episode just fucking goes sideways because a dude in a vtol like little helicopter plane thing shows up gunship yeah and just starts fucking shooting the hell out of these two cat owners (laughs) and And they recognize him This show isn't typically gory either, but these guys, they just get fucking. Yeah, this is a this is a surprisingly bloody scene now that I think about it. Like this This show doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, uh, graphic. 
Uh, so yeah, he, he shoots the hell out of them and then steals the cat and leaves and they reckon, or no, he steals Dorothy, I think. And she has yeah. the cat. Yeah. Right. And the cat, so, he uses like a Dr. Robotnik girl grabbing claw. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like from, uh, Sonic 06. I mean, in general, his little VTOL plane thing, when you said Dr. Robotnik, yeah. I was like, yeah, pretty much like <laughs> yeah. this is, this is the climax of the Sonic live action movie sort of yeah oh my <laughs> like, god they're on top of a skyscraper wow. there's a guy in a weird dumb vtol vehicle trying to grab an animal like yeah. pretty much the same thing <laughs> um, so yeah so so he kidnaps dorothy and then starts explaining to her that oh he's some kind of like vivisectionist or whatever and he's mutating all these animals and people into crazy chimeras and roger goes to find uh, dorothy angel shows up and proceeds to basically do nothing <laughs> and it's revealed that the cat is actually the couple's son which was somehow chimeraed into a little cat but yeah. now it's been put as a part of what is basically the scientist like garbage pile of a giant monster that's pretty cool looking honestly but it's just like all of his failed chimeras i guess he just kind of yeah. shoves into this giant thing yeah uh, so the cat's in there and bigo fights the cat but then dorothy convinces the cat to turn on its master and it does and then it kills itself yeah. and it's yeah. kind of sad then, yeah and then it kills it and then it like and then it's just like then right. it just walks into the burning building yeah, where the lab was. Collapsed on. It's like, geez. <laughs> so this is an okay episode. I will say off the bat that there is a joke in here that I actually really love, which yeah. is that uh, the cat is gray. And Roger explains to Dorothy in the second episode that if she's going to live at his house, he has to follow the one rule, which is that everyone has to wear black at all times. And she makes a joke about how they should... Like, oh, we can dye the cat black if he's breaking yeah. your rules, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> like, that's a funny joke. I like that. Um, I fucking hate the villain, though. And oh, that's yeah. the reason this is my least favorite episode. This villain, like the villains in this show have a tendency to be cartoonish and over the top. This guy, this guy takes has hit. so much screen time. And he just reminded me of Zigzix from Yu-Gi-Oh! <sighs> 5ds like yeah. he's just so over the top and so animated and so ridiculous and has an annoying voice oh yeah he's just stupid and annoying and i don't like him and he takes up way too much time explaining his plot like i don't care because i can't listen to him talk yeah um the other thing is that angel i feel has a serious downslide in her usefulness like yeah the first episode <laughs> she's in she she and Roger meet after she, I guess, sort of tricks him and he gets imprisoned. And then she like tries to shut down this hydroelectric dam, which was kind of what he was supposed to do. Um, and she's pretty competent and like, she's in a few more episodes and she does stuff. But in this episode, she follows Roger to the place. She doesn't find it herself. She follows him there. Yeah. Um, she explains the backstory, which is basically her only utility in this <laughs> whole episode is just to explain the backstory of all this shit. And then like she trips the security alarm by just walking into it like a dumbass. And this results in a shootout. And so in the shootout, she takes out her gun and just throws it to Roger so he yeah. can shoot the bad guys. And it's like, just so we can have the moment where Roger goes like, I don't like guns. <laughs> yeah, but I'll use it anyway. Uh, and it's weird because it's not even like a ploy. 
it's just her being like, no, you can deal with this because yeah. I guess I can't do anything. And then she kind of disappears. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's just weird. Like, I don't know. There's something about her presence in this episode that I just feel like the writers ran out of ideas for her or were just like, fuck it. Like, we'll just have her be useless and saved by Roger. And yeah. I don't know. There's just something about it that annoyed me. Like Angel was a fairly cool character in her first appearance. And every time she showed up after that, I was like, I'm getting tired of this character yeah. <laughs> because she's not doing anything else. She's just there yeah. to look hot and, and like and be backstory. Come on. Yeah. 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 Well, she's there to look, look hot. And yes, exactly. Dispense, Dispense. exposition. Yeah. And you know what? One other thing in this episode, I actually I quite liked this episode just because it was like crazy and it, it was like pretty dark and it in a way that no other episode really is. One thing that was funny is that they imply or pretty much directly state that after the cataclysm, there aren't any cats or dogs anymore. <laughs> like, oh yeah, like, right. They're like Somehow. extremely rare. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this cat's like worth more than a person. You know, like yeah, that is a really weird thing what isn't it <laughs> what what kind of event causes all pets to die that sucks <laughs> i mean it's not just that it sucks it's also a really strange like yeah like cats breed pretty quickly as do dogs really yeah like I, I it would be hard to wipe them out i feel like they were almost going for a do androids dream of electric sheep thing where there are basically no more real animals left in the world. Mm. Um, but also, like, I, I feel like the environment of that book makes a little more sense for this. I don't know, whatever. It's yeah. it's it's a weird thing, though, certainly, of like, well, there are no more cats, I guess. Just <laughs> this one. And it's actually not even a cat. It's a person who got transformed <laughs> into a fucking cat. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> It's a weird episode. <laughs> really uh, weird. I didn't absolutely hate it, but the villain absolutely turned oh, me yeah. off of that it. Villain. Like, if if it weren't for the villain, I'd probably like this one. But the villain is insufferable and, yeah. again, takes up so much screen time. Uh, so we should get to our break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk about what we thought about this season overall. We're going to give a recommendation, uh, talk about what we're going to do for a bet for season two, and finally, uh, what we're going to be covering next week. The Big O will return in a moment. Hey there, everyone. It's Michael. Very tired, bringing you our acknowledgments, as I always do. Our opening and closing music is, as always, Vapor Diving, and the music for the bumpers is Monkeys. Both of these tracks are by Anatech, that is A-N-I-T-E-K. You can find more of their music on SoundCloud. Rights were secured through Jumendo. Our next full episode will release June 24th, and tune in next week for A Wind Named Amnesia. As always, you can submit a topic or show suggestion for our minisodes via DM on facebook.com slash hbpod, Twitter at hbpod, or you can email us at hyperspacebroadcastpod at gmail.com. back 
All right, we're back. Uh, Peter, what did you think about this season of this show? You know, overall, it's like such a strange show to come into. And like, mm-hmm. it's it's a very stylish show. It, it's got like, it really lives in the noir style so much. It yeah, does and so it much looks like, amazing. Like, it really it does. It is really, really beautiful. The character um, designs look really cool. I mean, like, you know, there's some little details I can nitpick, like fucking Roger's eyebrows looking like weird little pickaxes. Yeah, Roger's but, eyebrows looking like the arms of Big O, kind of. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> but I, I really love uh, Dorothy's design, which is like... Yeah, Dorothy's cool. Well, and her, her design is like kind of minimalist in a way, even compared to some of the other characters, which like lends itself towards being an android thing. Sure, yeah. Uh in like a subtle way instead of just being like we're gonna give her doll joints <laughs> yeah like, or whatever yeah right man like the animation is just fucking through and through really good like ova quality animation yeah i'd this say whole so thing. it looks really I, nice i'd like, never seen i'd never seen i don't think i saw like a, any repeated shots ever uh in right this. and the the thing that i like about it too a lot is that the 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 style of the character designs and stuff feel very inspired by western animation but still yeah. have a distinct anime feel yeah absolutely it's, it's like it's almost like avatar the last airbender in reverse yeah <laughs> where yeah, it's yeah. like that's a great point like and the thing is like i like anime style obviously i have a podcast where i talk about anime but also i feel you like do. there is a tendency yeah it's different it's with oh. another friend of mine um mm. but it's the, the thing is though i i feel like that style has become very homogenized and shows tend to look very similar you and the show lately? yeah and even back then to some extent like yeah. i feel like there's a very similar look among stuff and i don't know maybe that's not a totally fair comparison but this show does not look like a normal anime it looks it's it has a distinctive style i guess is what i'm trying to get at and that's commendable like it looks really cool and like the robot designs are cool too they're just so out there and dumb but they they work (laughs) they do cool shit with them and they're not like they're not like fucking out and out stupid like power rangers giant robot designs or like power rangers enemy designs like they do crazy shit with them some of them are a little over the top but they do it 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 really does uh make me think of giant robot giant robo the day the earth for sure where it's like and also you can tell this is a classic design but they've kind of made it more technical and interesting mm mm-hmm well and and i mean not to just totally repeat myself but again like it really does feel like an anime tokusatsu show, mm-hmm. which is cool. Like, that's actually a really cool well to dig from. I don't know. Yeah. There, there's something about giant robots that feel giant and lumbering and yeah. not particularly agile or capable of much <laughs> is cool. <laughs> like, For one thing, the the collateral damage in this show is, is ridiculous, colossal. <laughs> like, and no it, one seems to care ever. Yeah. Yeah, like Big O is summoned through the earth, like through the ground, underground. I mean, so he just bursts through skyscrapers to appear. Yeah, there there is literally one episode in here where he he like rise or he I guess Big O rises through the entirety of a fucking skyscraper in order to explode out the top. <laughs> and I'm like, 
I hope no one else was living in the skyscraper or working there because they are fucking yeah, dead. Right. It's just I guess the excuse is like, oh, it's it's outside of the city, so like you know, uh, no one's there. <laughs> it's empty. Yeah, it's outside the domes or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a kind of weird thing again if you put too much yeah, thought into yeah. it because there's a shitload of collateral damage in areas that are explicitly said to be the places where poor people live, <laughs> uh, where no one gives a shit. Right. Well, and and you know what. I really like the music of this show. Um, there is one track that's kind of weird, but I the the like jazz and kind of blues and saxophone. So much good saxophone in this. Uh, so there's two tracks that's kind of weird. I do not like the ending theme. Oh, I really don't like the opening theme either. Okay, the themes to this show yeah, suck right. ass. <laughs> the opening theme is yeah. The themes are the, pretty weird and not very good. The opening of the show is one of the worst anime openings I think I've ever seen. Particularly for something made around two thousand. Yeah, it's just like it's just shots of fucking silhouettes of the big O with like trippy backgrounds mm. and playing. It's kind of James Bondy actually, although not yeah. as stylish. And then it'll like occasionally show like characters faces and say like the negotiator, the butler, the yeah, android right. with, with music that sounds very much like another song, but not quite. So it's like, it's perpetually teasing yeah. you. Well, and they actually changed it for the American release. The original was like very queen inspired and sounded like a lot, sounds a lot like, uh, the flash gordon theme which is really interesting sure. but like even so it, it does not make up for one of the laziest opening themes since better man yeah the animation of the opening is yeah. pretty bad yeah and it, and it is comparable to better yeah, man, i would certainly. say i would argue um, worse because i like the music to better man yeah. better man's opening at least I, and at least there's like <laughs> yeah sure, some sure. there's movement. something good <laughs> i think the music tracks themselves are pretty yeah. good there is one that is just straight up the twilight zone that, theme that's one. which is really strange that, that one's a bit and never fits it's a bit glaring because <laughs> it's just like like i okay <laughs> Well, yeah, it's just obviously the Twilight Zone theme, and it's strange. But the the thing for me is, like, I feel like the music itself is good, but it is often deployed badly, if that makes sense. You think so? Yeah, sometimes. Like, there were, there were a fair amount of times where music would start playing, and I was like, I feel like this does not fit what is happening right now, or it's just kind of overbearing. The Twilight Zone one is definitely overbearing. That that one, yeah. And and I think part of the problem too is just a lot of the time the music is mixed very yeah. high. So like, it, there's rarely like subtle music. It's it's almost always kind of in your face, which isn't really a bad thing. It's just sometimes it felt a little out of place to me. And I, I should I, really I should add before um, we have the kind of heel turn on this description where we're mostly praising it, um, <laughs> that the, the Roger is voiced by Steve Bloom, who's like, you know, it's he's doing the Steve Bloom voice, which is like the same exact voice as Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop, and it's a sure. really good voice. Um, and he he does a great job with the voice acting, uh, but it, it's also distracting to me because the character Dan Dawson resembles uh, the uh, other character in Cowboy Bebop, Jet Black, a lot in a way. In a way, sure. and I was like, that guy better be voiced by Bo Billingsley, and he's definitely not. And it, so it's just like, oh, okay. I don't know what would be more distracting is if he was or wasn't, but. <laughs> but sure. still it was just like a weird kind of distracting comparison in my head um mm. well i think like what i would what i would say about this show uh, my opinion of it right now is that i think technically like visually mm -hmm. and audio and the voice acting and everything is very very yeah. good like it's a very high bar the story stuff 
I do not like yeah. almost at all. Like, and and basically there are four things about the show that I don't like, and I'm just going right. to go through them. The first is that the stated premise of the show, and I call it that because Roger literally starts <laughs> multiple episodes with the words, this is a city of amnesia in voiceover, has almost nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And it seems to be building towards it's having something to do with anything in fairness. Like I think season two is going to go into this stuff more, but it, it feels weird because to me, that's such a cool and weird premise. And then like most of the episodes don't really handle it. Like mo most of them are just kind of Roger solving mysteries that maybe have something to do with it, but usually not really. Like a lot of them don't. Yeah. Um, and that yeah, kind of sucks. Like it, it's, I mean, it, it's really cool texture, but it feels so different an idea that I want it to be more important really, to the show. And it feels like it's not very important. The it's robots just should be secondary and this should be primary, which I guess the robots are already secondary too. <laughs> yeah. They're 100% secondary. My, I mean, my second, my second point is that the robot fights often have yeah. almost nothing to do with anything and they're just there because it I looks mean, geez, cool. How, how many episodes like, did we start? They we start watching, cool. we're following the plot, and we're like, all right, when are they going to shoehorn a giant robot into this shit? Yeah, <laughs> like, right, exactly. And like, uh, and and like, like, oh, his secret is that he built a giant robot. Okay, like, of course. <laughs> that's that's the scientist's <laughs> yeah, right, secret. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, even my favorite episode has a giant robot fight that just kind of comes out yeah. of nowhere, and again, I feel like doesn't need to be there. Like, it, it's just there. And again, you know, knowing that this is inspired by tokusatsu, it makes sense that they would suddenly yeah. have giant robots in every you know episode. What? That actually makes it, a lot honestly, of sense. What this show is missing is Rita Repulsa <laughs> throwing her staff down and saying, make my monster yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, Yeah, like that's the problem is it's not the monster getting giant. It's just like always the bad guy happens to have a giant robot. She could have robot. honestly, in your and... episode, thrown down the staff at that fucking little bomb robot. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like it is yeah. just a bigger version of that. So... So again, like I see why it is like this. I can see the influences that lead it to doing this, but like ninety percent of the time, I do not care. It just really at isn't all about the really giant robot fights. In. They look cool, but they are irrelevant to pretty yeah. much everything, as far as I'm concerned. Um, sort of tying in with that is just the villains are really exaggerated. Like they feel like exaggerated Batman villains. They feel like Tokusatsu but villains. Also in a world yeah, kinda. But but also in a world where the rest of the Toku stuff oh, yeah. isn't they don't there. fit at all. Like that's yeah. the problem. <laughs> like th they feel like they're from a different kind of show and pulled in. There's one villain in an episode who looks like a goblin man. He dresses like he's cosplaying as Mr. Hyde, <laughs> and he has he has basically a magic staff that he uses to control an android to, of course, pilot a giant robot to yeah. destroy the city. Uh, this was uh, almost my least favorite episode, partly because in the end, this villain is just crushed by falling yeah. debris. Like, the heroes have no influence on him being defeated or dying. Yeah. Which I think is pretty might funny. As well have slipped but, and fell on his hip or some yeah, shit. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, or like slipped and fallen off a bridge. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> like 
it's so so a lot of the time the villains are really goofy in a way that i feel like doesn't mesh very well with the rest of the show like just stylistically or like story-wise at all um and then finally like it's not a big part of the show but there is a decent amount of discussion of like uh, mostly from roger shitting on her of like dorothy's an android not a human how could she play piano in a way that people can like you know like that kind of stuff and fine but i feel like you're the show isn't really saying anything that i haven't seen a half dozen times done better like it it doesn't seem to have a very unique perspective on the idea that uh an android like what it is to be human like that whole aspect feels sort of tacked on and like i've seen it before a million times i I don't really need to see it we've watched star trek next generation like any episode yeah (laughs) right right any episode featuring data yeah pretty much or like oh it turns out dorothy's in love with roger yeah no shit of of course she is because that's how this works and yeah that's not a surprise and I don't really care because their relationship doesn't seem like one where she should be in love with him. <laughs> right. Frankly, he's just kind of an asshole to her. <laughs> Having said all of that, um, I think overall, the show kind of feels like Westworld in a huh. weird way, where part of the appeal is trying to figure out what the mystery yeah. is. But like without that hook, it's just kind of OK. And there's not a whole lot past yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah like every other way it's like really good and then it's like the the plot of every episode is just kind of bleh and the overarching plot line yeah like the story is the, the problem plot line has not been well handled until maybe the end and like yeah yeah it, right it's and and that's almost weirdly disappointing in retrospect thinking on it hopefully they they yeah get things back in gear with season two i i know well yeah and yeah. that's my hope because both of us really enjoyed the last mm-hmm. couple yeah. of episodes and I'm hoping that means that season two will pick up that ball and run with it. But I guess to move on to recommendations, like for me, season one is like the hardest visit or revisit <laughs> <laughs> the hardest visit. I just spent like 10 minutes yeah. shit talking the show. It's like the hardest revisit for me that I've yeah. ever seen because it is it was it was nice to see it again, uh, having had such strong yeah. memories of it. But like. And I'm not like, I don't hate it. I don't feel like I wasted my time, but also it's not amazing. I'm honestly a little surprised that it is held in such high regard. Like. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I see that. I think like part of it, it's like the Boba Fett thing, you know, it's like, it's a strength of the design, I think is part of why people remember it. Like why, why do we have memories of it still when we barely watched it? I think yeah, it's just, that's true. It's just the promo yeah, looked really yeah, exactly. cool. Like, and and I suspect that part of it, and because I was thinking about this earlier too, is like, why did it kind of fail in Japan, but it did really well here? I think part of that may just be because there's a hell of a lot of giant robot stuff in Japan. This was one of like a handful of things. On and this Tunami is like very and people like and giant it's very robots. American inspired too. And, and that's perhaps true also. then catering yeah, to more true. of an American mindset or audience or whatever. Um, yeah, that that's a good point. I didn't really consider that, but I I would agree with you. As as boring as it is, where I pretty much always just agree. <laughs> we always just agree with each other. That's not really true. <laughs> that's I guess you're right. 
uh, I agree. It's a revisit. I'm perhaps not as harsh on it. I think it was worth watching, and I, I appreciate it, even if just for the technical aspects of it that I really like, the design and the animation and all the other stuff we yeah. talked about. But, yeah, it, it's it's got some big problems in terms of like episodic plot i mean really what it comes down to is the first like handful of episodes i was kind of just perpetually yeah. confused as to what exactly was going yeah it on. doesn't help like, that first those first two episodes is like this whole identity thing with our dorothy wainwright and like oh this is her father actually your father is her creator actually she's based on this girl and that father yeah and right like, right fuck like i <laughs> Yeah, there's a weird, confusing amount of lineage stuff involving Dorothy in the that first couple matter. episodes. That, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't really matter all that much when it comes down to it. She just kind of, it's all kind of just set up for her to yeah. live with Roger. But anyway, um So yeah. So the, that's the recommendations. Let's move on to the bet. Uh so most of the time in the show, the big O fights giant robots. But mm-hmm. not always. Uh, sometimes, as I mentioned before, they it fights a giant cat chimera monster. And I think what we should bet on is how many times it fights a non-giant yeah. robot. Uh, for like How many times Big O specifically fights an enemy that is not a giant so robot? So either something that's a normal-sized robot or something that's a giant something else like uh I mean I guess technically if Big O just like crushed another android Dorothy and that was a fight <laughs> then <laughs> yeah then that wouldn't count probably another giant something else huh <laughs> like yeah cuz right. there were there was like yeah there's a sea serpent and there was um a tree <laughs> Yeah, there's a sea serpent, a tree, which even if it didn't really, really defeat, defeat the tree all. necessarily, uh, it still fought the tree for a moment. So I, I think that counts. Um, what do you think, Peter? How many how many non-giant robots is Big O going to fight uh, in these 13 episodes? That's really tough. Um, four. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go with yeah, two okay. because I think it's setting up for a lot of giant robot action for season two, but I could totally be wrong. Um, so yeah, four and two, it seems pretty reasonable. So next week we're going to be watching something that doesn't have much to do with Big O, except that it happens to have basically the same premise. Uh, this is a wind named amnesia. It is a movie based on a novel, if I remember correctly. And the premise is that there is a wind that wipes everyone's memories and a boy who I guess has been re-educated is traveling across America for some unknown purpose. Um, so I don't know. I, I just stumbled across this really. And I thought that it seemed like, I mean, it's the same basic idea. Yeah. It probably has a little more to do with that basic idea, which is what I want out of Big O. So I'm curious to see how somebody else handles it. Um, but yeah, that'll be next week. After that, obviously, we'll be watching Big O Season 2 and moving on from there. But until then, I'm Michael Doak. And I'm Peter Eby. And be sure to revisit us next week for A Wind Named Amnesia. Thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you're staying safe out there. And I just wanted to reiterate that uh, this podcast supports Black Lives Matter. And we have a relevant post on our website. If you check that post, you will see that there are links to charities and links to lists of charities uh, that you should consider donating to in support of this cause. Obviously, none of these donations go to us in any way. We're just trying to spread the word with the tiny platform that we have. 
Anyway, if you want more of our content, follow us over at facebook.com slash hbpod and Twitter at hbpod, where we post all of our episodes as well as additional content related to what we've been watching. This is also a great way to get in contact with us if you're so inclined. Of course, subscribing on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts is also a surefire way to stay up to date. And while you're doing that, uh, consider leaving us a review. We really appreciate it, and it helps us find new listeners. See you next week for a wind named Amnesia. One well, universe, she sucked, but I thought she was all right. And uh, she's in great in Tenshi in Tokyo. Yeah, everyone's great she, in Tenshi in, in Tokyo. In, in universe, she's the worst character, and I hated her. Universe just sucks. Yes, it does. It's a bad show. Agreed. Anyway. <laughs> Let's be friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>